across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Hello, Rockstar Nation. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great Valentine's Day. I know mine was good. It's uh, interesting having an empty nester Valentine's Day. Much more relaxing and whole family's not involved this year, which is which is interesting. Can My wife and I can do whatever we want. We took a walk on the beach with the dog and went out to dinner and it was very good so anyways hope everybody had a great valentine's day we have a cool guest for you today this guy is hip i mean he has you know made a ton of money he's done the real estate game understands it and he went around the world with his wife forever I mean, he talks about, I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, without further ado, let's get on with the show today. Chris Dunn is on, and I'm excited about this, so take a listen. I know you guys are going to learn a lot, and I'll see you Wednesday. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today. I have Mr. Chris Dunn from Austin, Texas on the line, and Chris spent many years as a mortgage lender. So he has a lending background right before all hell started to break loose. And at that time, Chris was a, you know, huge in with a bunch of builders and and their lending products. Chris bailed and has done some incredible stuff since he's gotten, he's a big real estate guy, real estate investor, among other things. And we're going to talk about all things investing, all things real estate, all things lending. There's going to be some real good meat and potatoes here today, folks. So hold on tight. And without further ado, Chris, welcome to Pat Hyben interviews, real estate rock stars. Thanks, Pat. Glad to be here. So, Chris, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you better? Wow. Okay. So, I guess I'll go back to high school. I, I got in the mortgage business in high school. Um, I owned a car detailing company, and we would go uh, from shopping center to shopping center. And I went in to pitch these mortgage brokers. It was a big open floor. There's probably like 50 to 60 guys there. And um, the owner was like, you know, you seem pretty motivated. Why don't you come work for me? And I was like, that's interesting. Like I never thought of getting into real estate or in, into the mortgage business, but I gave it a shot. And that led to about a seven year career in the mortgage industry. And I, I did everything from the refi boom of the early 2000s to, you know, the, the housing boom and worked my way up to basically um, working with the secondary mortgage market to help sell subprime loans uh, during the the housing boom. And whenever I really understood what was going on and I saw the writing on the wall, I just, I had to get out of that business. Um, and so I, I went into uh, kind of my roots, which was the financial markets. Um, I've traded everything from equities and futures and now digital currencies like Bitcoin. But my passion and kind of my long-term focus is in real estate investing. And that's what I spend a lot of my time doing here in Central Texas. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, I guess you got out, but you didn't go short, right? My new favorite movie is The Big Short, man. I just love that movie. I want to see it again. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually heavily short um, on a day trading basis in 2008 and 2009, you know, just taking advantage of the volatility. But yeah, I didn't like hedge against a lot of the mortgage lenders or anything like that. I just, I got out of the industry. I didn't like where it was going. I knew something was wrong when, you know, we could get someone with a 550 credit score, no income, no assets, 100% financing on a half a million dollar house. I was like, this is just not sustainable. So, and, and I didn't feel good about it. I'm like, I, I don't think we should be lending to people that really can't even make the first mortgage payment. And they were just, you know, hoping for more and more appreciation. So yeah, I saw the writing on the wall and, and just got out and um, just kind of, you know, held tight until the, the market kind of bottomed out in the, you know, 2010, 2012 range and started buying up some real estate here in Texas. So what was the first place you bought? So I actually, so I was living in Tampa and I had some real estate down there. I built a few places. I rehabbed a few places, did some wholesale deals. When I moved to Austin, which is where we live now, um, I noticed that, you know, prices here were really appreciating pretty quickly. And I thought even five years ago, I thought it was a little overvalued. So I was mostly interested in like third tier markets or smaller markets like the Waco, Colleen, Temple area. Um, and that's really where I put a lot of my focus is not so much in like the major metro zones, but kind of the smaller kind of blue collar working class neighborhoods and, and smaller cities. So, okay. So let's, let's look at some exact numbers. So today, okay. Mm -hmm. Today, not five years ago, but today, what would you buy or what do you buy with regards to single family home investing? Like you try to buy a 70, put 10 into it, rent it for a grand. Like what do the numbers look like? Yeah. So I'll give you an example of one that we're rehabbing right now. Um, my philosophy is I, I like to look for um, like C-class houses in A-class neighborhoods. So I, I really, really like historic districts, something that has some kind of character. Hmm. So right now I'm rehabbing a house in a little town called Temple, Texas. There's a historic district. It's a small town, um, but it's got a great economy because there's a big, um, there's a big hospital there and it's close to the Colleen um, Fort Hood, you know, biggest army base in the world, I think. And so I like the economics of the area. The, the numbers looked like this. So we bought the place. It was a, like a 1930s house mm. in a historic district. So there's restrictions on what we can do with the construction. Bought it for 45K. Uh, we're putting 40 into it. Probably going to sell it on uh, owner financing for 170, 175. Just, you know, that, that's like a slam dunk deal. And then we're also looking at some smaller multifamily, you know, like eight to 20 unit apartment buildings, which I really don't have that much experience in, but that's kind of the next evolution that I'm looking at is moving into kind of the multifamily zones. Now, why would you sell it owner financing? Well, just a better return. I mean, I, I could cash out and sell it to an end user for, you know, who's getting conventional financing for maybe 155, 160. 
But, you know, if you sell it on owner financing, usually you can charge a little more of a premium and it's a great interest rate. I mean, I, I can charge, you know, eight to 10% for owner financing. But who would buy it? An owner, someone to live in it? Yes. Okay. And, and someone who obviously couldn't get a, a four and a half percent rate because their credit yeah, there's is shot. Actually, well, yeah. One thing that I've noticed is kind of in the central Texas area, there's quite a few people with cash that just don't have that great of credit. So, hmm. you know, they can put five, 10, 20% down and get a loan through me where it might be a little hard for them to get conventional financing. Hmm. Okay. So you teach this class and you talk about this thing, how to travel the world while building a real estate empire, right? And I mean, that's a big attractive title there. How to, how to travel the world while building a real estate empire. Can, can you give us the short version of that? How do we, how do the listeners listening out there travel the world? Where have you traveled? Give us some examples. And uh, how do you go about doing it and building? Sure, sure. So, so my philosophy on life is that, you know, time is our most valuable asset and you have to leverage your strengths. So my strength is not negotiating with motivated sellers. It's not farming neighborhoods. It's not marketing for deals. My strength is financing. I, I understand that side of the business really well. So I've partnered with a few guys here in these smaller markets that do that, you know, so they leverage their strengths of marketing, of finding these deals. And I do what I do best, which is, you know, write checks. And so, <laughs> so my, to give you an example of the travel aspect of that in 2014, my wife and I did a trip around the world. Uh, we started in Iceland and we literally circumnavigated the world. We, we went to, I believe, 40-something countries, wow. over 60 cities. How long did that take? It was just under 12 months. It was like 11 and a half months. Holy dirt. Okay, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So while I was on the road, obviously, I can't be farming neighborhoods and doing deals, but I relied on my partners to do that end of the business. And I was basically the, the finance guy. So for me, that's, that's just the way that I like to design my real estate business. Now, not everybody's going to want to travel the world and not everybody has capital just to be the bank. But my message is just to design your business with the end in mind, right? Like if, if your skill set is not talking to motivated sellers, then don't do that. Partner with somebody that does that better than you. And the travel aspect is just something that I'm passionate about. And I know some people are and some people aren't. But for the past seven or eight years, my wife and I have traveled on average like three to six months out of the year. So that's just a big part of our lives. And, and that's why I've designed the real estate business the way that I have. That's amazing. So I got a couple questions then for you. Okay. First of all, let's just say you traveled a whole year, right? 11 and a half months. You might as well call it a year. What did that cost? That's a good question. I don't know the exact number, but it wasn't cheap. You, you, know, you, you think you spent a hundred? Oh yeah. It was well over a hundred grand. It, it was probably closer to two. 200 grand. Okay. Well, good to know. Good to know. Okay. So my second question is this, I need you to break this down a little simpler for our audience here. You know, they want to know, okay, it's great that Chris uh, stands here and says that, mm -hmm. but how can I do that? You know, can you start at the beginning and tell them how you did it and how they can do that? Let's say in, if their plan is in mm -hmm. 20 years, from today, they want to travel the world for a year and spend 200 G's doing it and have an income coming in while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. What do I do today and what do I do over the next 20 years? 
Well, in my mind, there's really a couple ways that you could go about doing this. So you could invest time, effort, and energy in building passive income, right? Like maybe uh, acquiring some rental homes or uh, you know some apartment complexes that'll pay you some cash flow enough to to live. And look, you know you don't have to spend that much money to travel the world. You can actually do it relatively cheaply, especially if you go to like Asia, Europe, and that. You know, the UK, it's particularly in Italy and France, those areas are the most expensive. But you can travel to Asia and we even went to South Africa and India and areas like that for much, much cheaper. So I, I think the the first step is you gotta decide, okay, are you gonna live off cash flow or are you gonna hustle while you're on the road? So we we were working as we went. You know, I wasn't just living off of cash. We actually have several businesses that um, paid for that trip. And we did investing and things like that virtually. So if you have capital to, to virtually invest, great. You know, you can partner with somebody in a local market and do that, or maybe just build something and create cash flow before you take off. Through real estate. Through real estate. Yeah. I, I think real estate's a, a great way to to build passive cash flow. Okay. So just the traditional ways of, of, you know, buying as much real estate as possible or buying a couple of houses a year, uh, maybe moving into multifamilies and then uh, larger multifamilies if it comes to that. And guys, we've had, you know, Andrew Cushman on twice. He just came out two weeks ago talking about how to go from, I think his was called how to go from ghetto properties to, you know, a thousand doors a year or so. Nice. And, you know, the bottom line is uh, you're saying just continue to hustle, bust your ass, make a lot of money, invest, and then let the cash flow do the work for you. That's it. That's it. I mean, I think it's, you know, you've got two steps. It's step one is create income, right? Either hustle income or passive income. And then two, take that income and grow wealth with it. There, I don't think there's any secret formula and I'm by no means like a guru who teaches any of this. I, I just, you know, give away whatever I can and, and kind of show you know, on my blog, chrisdunn.com, I show what's working, what's not working, where, you know, I've made money, where I've lost money. And I try to be pretty transparent about it and show like what's actually working today because a lot of the things that, you know, worked during the housing boom don't work today. Um, and, and some of the legal structures, you know, like I don't do lease options anymore. Even, you know, owner financing's gotten, gotten a little bit tr tricky. So, yeah, you've just got to figure out what your strengths are and then hustle, hustle until you can build that. But I think you also want to begin with the end in mind. You know, you have to figure out what you really want out of the business and not just work for a dollar just to, to work for work's sake. Right, right, right. So let's talk about lending. Okay, so you got out, right, right before the crash. You've watched the lending world. You've paid a lot of attention to it. What do you think is going to happen over the next five years with loans? Are they going to be easier to get or harder to get? Rates going up or down? Give us some predictions. <laughs> good question. I've never been good at long-term forecasting, and I'm not going to pretend to be right now. As of today, so you know, I actively trade the markets. Um, as of today, the markets are down about 2%. Um, I think it, we're at a really crucial time. You know, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see either the market rebound, like it has done for the past several years, or we're going to go into a bear market, which is going to kind of create another credit crunch. Is it going to be as bad as 2008? I doubt it. Obviously, anything can happen, but 
I don't know. I don't know where rates are going to be several years from now. I don't know if they're going to just steadily kind of climb a little bit or if we're going to see, you know, some kind of like V bottom and and rates get back up into the 7 8% range. I have no clue. I, and I wish I had a better better answer for you, but when it comes to long-term forecasting, I'm just not that great. So, well, where are you investing today? What are you putting on your blog as like what is working for you today to make money? Sure. So I'm, like I said, with the single family stuff, I'm really interested in historic districts or just really good neighborhoods that have killer deals. Like I want to buy the ugliest house in the neighborhood. Um, I'm also interested and I have, I don't have much experience with this, but I'm interested in kind of the smaller multifamily deals that are close to institutions that aren't going away. Like, you know, big military bases or big medical areas, something with a, a strong economy. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I like that philosophy. I'm of the same philosophy in that I buy houses and rent them section eight and I buy houses in neighborhoods where I know the neighbors are going to be like, oh crap, a section eight's moving in. Mm. Like I don't want to, I don't want to buy in a neighborhood of a row of 10 row houses and 10 are, and the other nine are all section eight. I want to buy a street with all owners or, you know, white collar renters. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, blue collar renters and have it section eight and have them be, Oh wow. You know, this is section eight. We don't want that. That, that would be the same thing as buying the dog in the neighborhood, you know, buying something and letting the neighborhood help maintain its value and make it easier yeah. to sell. Um, Absolutely. The challenge with the small multifamilies, uh, you know, I've owned four plexes, eight plexes, 18 plexes that you got to watch out for is the economy of scales. The economies of scale on them are tougher to manage if you don't have other things in the neighborhood because of all the repairs. Mo most of those properties, like you said, especially if it's in a historic district are, are, you know, old. And you can end up spending so much money on repairs, it just erodes your cash flow completely every year, even though you think it's only going to be one year. I remember I had one, I think it was an 18 plex. And though I thought I was going to have a part-time property manager and I ended up having a 60 hour a week person just in collecting rents and keeping the tenants happen because they all wanted to pay cash and they all wanted to pay by the week. Um, oh, wow. And I, if it was a much larger unit, I would have done a lot of things different. So you just got to be careful on those. What else? What other investments? Uh, you said you do, you know, digital currency. You say you buy commodities. What other tips can you give us? Yeah. So I, I'm just, I'm kind of a geek for investing. Like I, I, I do it all. I learn as much as I can. I'm like a vacuum when it comes to financial technology and, you know, living here in Austin, Texas, this has become kind of a startup hub. So, you know, I, I'm an angel investor. I invest in early stage tech startups. Um, there's, you know, some really interesting real estate companies that have come through just trying to, you know, bring, the escrow and the closing process into the 21st century. I think that there's a lot of uh, room for disruption and improvement in that space. And that's one thing that I'm really interested in with uh, Bitcoin and digital currencies. And, you know, for anybody that's listening, that's maybe heard of Bitcoin, you know, you might be thinking like, okay, it's a, you know, you've heard on the news, it's like a Ponzi scheme or it's like some kind of magic internet money. What it really is and how it relates to real estate is it's a, uh, decentralized, so it's a di distributed public ledger which can't be altered. And why that's important 
is it's going to change the way that a lot of things are done. It's going to change the way that people uh, do contracts and escrow. It's going to change the way that um, you know title insurance and, and property records are recorded. In fact, there's a, a startup here in Austin called Factum that they're actually working with the country of Honduras to move their entire property uh, record system onto the Bitcoin blockchain um, because there's so much corruption, you know, down there you have politicians that'll just step in and say, oh, I like that property, I'll take that, you know, and just go in to the books and kind of write their name in. But what happens with this blockchain, blockchain technology is it removes the ability to alter or uh, commit fraud. And I think that's just really important. And it's also going, I hope, it's going to speed up and reduce the cost of the closing process and the escrow process here in the states interesting interesting yeah it's funny how much is going on in austin texas right now i just invested in two funds there myself an atx venture fund and another hedge fund cielo high tech fund both out of austin texas so uh nice and i i yeah there, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here and i think that's why it was the fastest growing city of the decade i believe and and definitely in recent years so. why is that well, I mean, you just got a lot of really interesting things happening and a lot of smart people moving here. And, you know, my motto is always be the dumbest person in the room. And I try to surround myself with people that are way smarter than I am. So I go to a lot of, you know, like angel networks, you know, a lot of just like private masterminds with some real estate guys that are doing big things. Um, there's quite a bit of commercial guys here, actually, even though I'm not in that space at all. But yeah, it's just a, it's a great place to be. It's central in the States, um, favorable to business and, and tax law. So it's a great place to be. So what about gold and silver versus the stock market? Gold and silver. Oh man. So I like gold. I like silver. From a technical standpoint, we've been in a downtrend for a long time. And I actually, you know, if you look at a gold chart back in 2011, it was going parabolic, meaning it was just on a ridiculous bull run. And you guys probably remember, you know, seeing like in the pawn shops in different areas, like all the we buy gold signs. Yep. Yep. I still see them, but not as much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're still out there, but it was really prevalent back in 2010, 2011. And if you look at a gold chart, that was the highest high for gold. That was when there was just a buying frenzy and everybody was scared and everybody thought the dollar was going to nothing. And you know, so what happened was that kind of imploded, right? A lot of the, the gold bugs on CNBC are now eating their words and now we're seeing gold at the, the lowest point that it's been in several years. I actually just recently started buying physical gold. I didn't get caught up. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get caught up in the, the gold frenzy because I kind of related a lot of the we buy gold signs to the we buy houses signs of the, the 2003 to 2005 time zone. Yeah, Rob, so, it's funny because like when Robert Kiyosaki goes to visits towns and he sees more than two cranes, he calls them the cranes of death. <laughs> and then you saw those We Buy Gold signs, kind of like the cranes of death, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, that's an interesting point. Um, I think there's two ways to look at that. So like in the early 2000s in Miami, 
when everybody was just building condos as fast as they could, that was unsustainable because they, they didn't have the population growth to justify it. The difference here in Austin, and I, I actually live in downtown Austin, if you look around, there's cranes everywhere. The, I think the difference in a market like this is you actually have population growth to justify the construction, right? But whenever you're just building and building and creating supply and creating supply and rising prices, you know, eventually there's going to be a bottom that falls out. Um, I don't foresee that happening in Austin. I would be really surprised if we had like a, a big bubble that burst here. Um, yes, prices have gone up quite a bit, but again, we have population growth that I think kind of justifies it. Hmm. I just had Kathy Fetke on from the Real Wealth Network, and she said that Austin, Texas was a massive bubble. Interesting. So only time will tell, I guess. We'll both have to look back in 10 years and see if that's the case. I know a good buddy of mine just bought it, uh, bought one of the condos there. I think a $2 million condo, that highest condo building in Austin, Texas being built. I don't know if you know which one it is, but I don't know yeah, if he'll go through with it. Uh, he sort of thinks he might be able to flip it before settlement, which would be an ideal scenario if it gets down this settlement he's 50 50 on what he's actually going to settle on it because it could you know something like that could be worth a million in 10 years you know two million yeah. in one million out you just don't know especially condos so anyways it's it's interesting very interesting and like i said we don't know but it's interesting to hear mm -hmm. predictions and and insights so why don't we wrap this up chris with with a piece of advice that you could give to our rock star listeners on investing, making money, whatever it is you want to be. So that when they, when they think about this podcast area, that's the guy that said this, or that's the guy that pushed this. Yeah. So my, my biggest thing is just value your time. You know, time is our most precious and valuable asset. It's the only thing that's always depleting. You know, you can't buy more of it. I mean, you can invest in your health, but you can't purchase like another 10 years, right? And do what you are best at. Do what you're ingrained and in what you do naturally. You know, I, I see a lot of people that like kind of have the, um, the, the squirrel mentality. Like if you've ever walked a dog and a squirrel walks by, it's like squirrel, squirrel. You know, don't be an opportunity chaser. Focus in on one thing that you're good at. Master it. Hustle, hustle, hustle. And, you know, there's really no magic formula. It's just hard work and really just pay attention to your time and make sure you're focusing on what you do best. That's my philosophy in life. It served me pretty well. And um, that's what I'm going to keep doing. So that's awesome. So I'm going to post all of Chris's information. I'm going to post his website. I'm going to post his book. Uh, what's the name of your book, Chris? Uh, Bitcoin, how to trade it for serious profit. It's actually still in pre-release. Uh, we just released it to um, my followers and sold out of the first three shipments. So we're going to be on Amazon soon, but as of right now, it, it's still just in pre-release. I'll, I'll post, you know, everything will be on his website, I'm sure, and his information. Cool. If you guys have any questions, you could ask him, but just go to hybendigital.com backslash Chris Dunn, D-U-N-N, -N, or just go and type into the search bar, Chris d and it will show up chris listen i'll be in austin i'm sure sometime in the next 12 months and when i'm there let's uh, get together have some breakfast or something yes let's do it please give me a buzz well i hope you've enjoyed this session of real estate rock stars i'm pat hyben and i appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock solid advice i encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with 
These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>